Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Midget. That's the word of the day. Nothing personal word of the day. Tony Grassi called Baker Mayfield a midget. He thought the microphone was off, and now he's in a whole load of trouble. It goes to show you that we are looking for any reason possibly to get rid of anybody who says anything wrong on the media. I think he's just vertically challenged. We have a major problem in the National Football League right now, and people are talking about it from one perspective only, and I would like to give you another perspective on what's happening with the NFL PA, that's the Players Association, and these whole collective bargaining agreement discussions, and why the NFL is making a big mistake, and the union, by having all of these players speaking out about what's currently happening. So let's start giving you a baseline knowledge of where we are. The collective bargain agreement runs out. Obviously, those are the rules by which we get to watch football games. As fans, we don't actually care too much what is in the collective bargain agreement. We just want the players to play, period, uninterrupted, labor peace. We don't want to strike. We don't want to lock out. We can say that we're in favor of the billionaire owners. We're upset about the millionaire players. We love the millionaire players, and we despise the billionaire owners. It doesn't matter what side you're on. The fact is very simple. Play ball. Make your differences disappear. So they go to the table. They negotiate for 10 months. They have an agreement that runs out after next season, and they want to get ahead of it. They want to avoid any sort of labor stoppage, work stoppage. So they come up with an agreement after about 10 months of negotiating. What we've learned is that the players approve an agreement in a very different way than the owners do. When you're an owner of a team, you go to a meeting, there's 32 of you in a room, you take a vote, three quarters of you approve what looks like an agreement you actually don't get. In MLB, in in my 18 years in baseball, we did several collective bargaining agreements. You never really saw the full agreement before you voted on it. Isn't that interesting? What you actually saw was a, an outline, and it wasn't that detailed. You saw basic deal points, and we were giving the right, voting yes on those deal points, and then giving the power to the commissioner's office to negotiate the finer points in the collective bargaining agreement that would then be put into a large multi-hundred-page document. So the owners would have a vote on that, and they did, and they voted to approve what I would call is the outline of an agreement. They voted to approve having a 17-game season. They voted to approve what exactly would be the amount of games to be played, when those games would be played, what it would be like home versus away. Would there be 10 home games one year, nine home games the next? All of those details, owners vote yes. Then it goes to the players. The way it works with players is that we've talked about this both on HQ, CBS Sports HQ, if you're watching or listening on Nothing Personal. We've talked about that there's an executive committee that is full of players and lawyers, and they negotiate with owners. Then they take a vote whether or not they approve, basically, of what they've negotiated. 
Then you've got 32 player reps. There's 32 teams in the NFL. There is one player from each team. They take a vote whether or not they also approve the outline of a collective bargain agreement and whether they want the full body of the union to vote. That took place. It was 17 to 14 to 1. What's your takeaway? 17 player reps out of 32 voted yes. Let's take it to a full vote. Now, every player gets to vote. Let's say there's 2,000 players in the National Football League who are part of the union. They each get one total vote. Out of the voting members, you need over 50%. That's 50.1%. Let's pretend 100% voter turnout. What a dream that would be in the U.S. 100% voter turnout. You've got 1,001 players need to say yes, we approve. 999 could say no. They could say it vociferously. No. They could tweet it from the top of a building. They could tweet it with exclamation points. They could tweet it like Marquise Pouncey with swear words. We're going to talk about that. He actually recorded a video. We could tweet it like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson tweeted, I vote no. If you're listening to this, I'm showing his tweet that Matthew Coca printed for me. Thank you, Matthew. Using a lot of blue ink. I don't know why we do that. Russell Wilson, I vote no. Is this good for the game? Is it good? Is the union happy that there are veteran players coming out, quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, coming out and saying there are parts of this collective bargaining agreement that I do not agree with, I am voting no. What influence does that have on the actual vote of the CBA? About the size of Baker Mayfield, according to Tony Grassi. Infinitesimal. It doesn't matter. If you think that the NFL CBA will be voted down because of Russell Wilson or Pouncey or any of the other players who right now are standing up and showing their displeasure, it means that you're thinking that just because you're loud and proud means that all of a sudden you get more than one vote. Why would younger players be in favor of getting a collective bargaining agreement? Let's go right to Pouncey and give you a quote that he gave today. He did a video. I think he may have been driving. He may have been shirtless. Now, remember, this is no schlepper. This is one of maybe the greatest twin brother duo in NFL history. Sorry, Tiki. Maybe you and Rondé are just as good. If any player on any one of our teams, if y'all are hurting for rent money or anything while we're going through this lockout, call us. We've got way more money than what they had back in the day. We ain't got to worry about that. Wow. I'm an owner in the NFL. This is exhibit one gimmel on what I am showing my negotiators to show them that we've given too much. If Pouncey's got so much money that he's willing to pay the rent of all the young players, we have drastically overpaid him. Obviously, I'm being simplistic, so let me actually get to a legal argument. What Pouncey is saying is that we don't want to sign an agreement that we think is bad for young players just because young players cannot afford not to get paid. Well, as owners, that's what we count on. We know. Do you remember we did on nothing personal? 
couple months ago, before right when we right in the beginning, we talked about what the NFL players were supposed to do in order to secret away money to prepare for a lockout. Do you remember they were supposed to go out to dinner one day a week fewer? They were supposed to rent out one of their guest rooms on Airbnb to raise revenue. Anyone else remember the insanity of what the NFL PA was telling its players to do? Well, now they don't have to do any of it because Pouncey is just going to write them a rent check. Pouncey's claiming that he is helping the young players because this deal is not good for them. Their view is what? They shouldn't play the 17th game? It's too risky? They don't want to be part of a longer season? Well, they got padded practices down from 28 to 16. They got preseason games down from 4 to 3. They got share of revenue up from 47 to 48.5%. Wait a minute. And one more thing. If they play a 17th game, they actually get paid more money than they were going to get paid. Do you think in Major League Baseball, when we want to go from 162 to 154, do you think the players will give up that percentage of their salaries? If I go right now, right now to Garrett Cole, and I say, hey, I know you're making about 30 per season, but if you're playing 162, if we ask you to play 154, obviously we're going to want all that money back. Good luck. But strangely, Richard Sherman believes that the NBA and the MLB are doing it right. Players come first. All NFL players deserve the same. Don't rush the next 10 years for today's satisfaction. I vote no. Hey, Russell, let me give you some insight into the MLB. The players actually don't come first. The collective bargaining agreement that is currently done by the owners over the players is because the head of the union, Tony Clark, actually was so focused on issues that were so immaterial economically, but so important to the players. So you think the players came first? Tony tried to make the players came, come first, and all that resulted in was a negative economic deal for the players. I have an idea. How about if the lawyers come first? How about if you actually let people who know how to negotiate union contracts, how about if you let them explain what an entire collective bargaining agreement is? It's not just about the 17th game. People are talking about pension. Do they understand what it means to have a vested pension? Do they understand the whole issue with medical insurance, 401k? It's enough to make your eyeballs go to the back of your head except it's actual real money that young players, middle-aged players, and old players don't focus on. They don't think about it. They get told it by the negotiators. They get said either it's important or it's not important. Do you know what we did as owners and presidents? We would be talked about. We would be told about pension. We would not say, hey, we don't want to give MLB players more pension. We don't want to increase the minimum salary. We don't want to give them a higher percentage of revenue. What we would say is, give me the picture. What is the bottom line as an owner? What will we be getting per year versus what will we be giving? How much money will be left for payroll? Those are the equations that we would do as an owner. In football, the equations that the owners are doing are based on national TV money. Give us the 17th game. We'll be happy to give players a small piece of the increased pie because we're getting a bigger part of the increased pie. We want to expand playoffs. And all you want is to get rid of a preseason game? 
all you want is to get rid of some padded practices? Aaron Rodgers is screaming at the top of his lungs to change off-season training protocols? Do you know what the NFL owners are doing to Aaron Rodgers? They're laughing. Good. Fewer practices, no problem. Oh, you want the off-season? You don't want as much pressure to go here, go there? You want to make sure you have more time off? That's really looking out for the younger players. Good job, Aaron. Here's my idea. Sit in a room, get an idea of the entire deal. And once you have it, you will do exactly what I'm predicting will happen, and at least 1,001 players will vote yes. There will be a collective bargaining agreement done in advance. No strike, no lockout. The NFL will continue merrily on. 17 games, expanded playoffs. You better believe it. Okay. Anybody watch uh, Zion Williamson last night? I couldn't help it. It was the second game. I watched it. The first game was an outstanding game. The Raptors beat the Bucks, which was exactly my pick. They they beat the Bucks by 11. We only had to beat them by one, so that was I was very thankful for that. It was good. Haven't seen the Bucks lose in a while. Stayed up for the uh, 10th 10 p.m. game, and I'm watching Zion versus LeBron. I got one minute for you on Zion LeBron, and it's the following. Let's not put pressure on Zion Williamson, and that's what they're doing now. They're saying, hey, is he the next LeBron? I've been around players who have been anointed to be the next great player, and you don't realize when the cameras are off, it actually has an impact. It actually changes the way they approach both on the court and off the court, on the field, off the field. It starts to creep into your head. You may say when you're the number one pick in the draft, you already have a healthy ego, you have healthy level of expectations, but actually when you speak to a player who's a top draft pick, and when they're under that pressure, especially to be compared to the second greatest player who ever played basketball, it can become overwhelming. My advice to any Zion Williamson fan is lay off the comparisons for the moment and let his game speak. He was phenomenal last night. He is very tough to cover. He's got a quick second jump, as Anthony Davis said. He goes to the free throw line, 13 of 19 from the line. He is going to be an MVP caliber player. But to say that he's going to come with titles and be coronated the next king, it's a little premature for me. Hold on, I have to cough. I'm not going to press the button because I'm doing this for illustrative purposes. Let's pretend that we're in the middle of a stadium, just like this. We're in the studio. People are looking around. <coughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <coughs> Sorry. Yes, I do not have coronavirus. Not from a lack of trying. I was trying to make it a Bud Light virus. Here's what's happening. It's widespread panic. People are losing their minds at all levels of industry. The Olympics are in jeopardy of being canceled. Syria A is taking its games inside in front of no fans. Do you know that Juve, Juve as in Ronaldo, they are going to play a Syria A match against Inter Milan in front of nobody because of coronavirus in northern Italy. This is not a political issue for me. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. What I am saying is that we've got a problem, and it's a perception problem. We're going to hear from the President of the United States tonight at 6 p.m. local time. That would be Eastern. It may not be local unless you're on the East Coast. And what we're going to talk about is what is the reality of this outbreak? 
When will it become a pandemic? And what will you do if you're a sports team or a sports league? Can you cancel things one game at a time, one day at a time? What exactly are you waiting for? The Boston Red Sox have quarantined two of their players because they're Taiwanese. They got quarantined in crappy spring training hotel rooms, getting three meals a day delivered to them during the quarantine for fear that Mookie Betts would get coronavirus. There's no way Mookie could get it. He's on the Dodgers. I tried to tell the Red Sox that. There was no risk of Mookie getting coronavirus. What do you do if you are Major League Baseball? They're the next season up. The NBA's happening. Let's talk baseball, though. You've got a lot of foreign-born players. You've got fans. By the way, we've got players who are just in China playing games. Although they would have had it by now, you'd think. What happens when you're in the clubhouse and somebody's sick? Let me tell you a story about what we would do. We made sure, we used to have a rule, that when you are sick in our clubhouse, we make you come to the clubhouse every day to check in. You go to the trainer, he checks your nose, checks your chest, checks your lungs, and then sends you home. I've got a better idea as a guy who doesn't like being around sick people and hates germs. We're gonna keep you in your apartment and we're gonna send our trainer to you every day to check you out. No, that can't work. We can't have a trainer going from house to house looking at different players, making sure they're okay while they're quarantined from the coronavirus, which by the way, I'm more scared of the flu, the regular flu, than I am of coronavirus. Is it possible it will become an out-of-control pandemic? I don't know. Nobody knows. People in the CDC don't know. That's Center for Disease Control. People in the WHO, World Health Organization, they don't know. What they do know is that there are protections you can take. One of the protections is playing in front of no fans, having a Tokyo Marathon with only 200 runners, no. Here's what we do. Let's do what they did in China. Anyone ever been to China? You have to walk through a total recall like, remember when Arnold Schwarzenegger walked through total recall and they could see the inside of his body? Like Ben Stiller in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? When you go to China, you actually walk through and if you're too hot, they give you the hook like Chuck Barris on The Gong Show. They literally take you out of line and you can't enter the country. I want to take the temperature of every one of the 2,000 fans that go to our Marlins games. We're going to take your temperature right on the forehead. And if you're over 98.6, which isn't even a normal temperature anymore, you're out. Of course we're not doing that. My prediction is the following. We will find a way to get this under control. There will not be a cancellation of the Olympics. There's too much money at stake. And as far as baseball is concerned, there will be a memo that will come from doctors MLB-sanctioned doctors will be signed by the union MLB about protections that we can do as an industry, as an individual team, to protect against coronavirus. I wonder if we can sell a sponsorship to that. Can you imagine how great would that be? Wait a minute, I've got a revenue idea. This game brought to you by Corona. That's my story with coronavirus. Everybody be calm. Okay, um, I got a movie for you guys, and it's a, um, it's a purposeful movie today. And I have a question for all of you who haven't seen it. I don't know why. 
John Hughes is one of the most brilliant filmmakers. We've talked about it when I give you my top 100 on the bonus podcast, which, by the way, there is a bonus podcast coming at the end of this week. It's my end of the month. Thank you for rating me five on Apple and submitting your questions. I got so many questions. I can only do some of them. I'll move some of them to April, but keep them, or to March, but keep them coming. Some of them were great. And I'm going to give you my next 20 movies. You've heard 61 through 100. I'm going to give you 41 through 60. One that is not in my top 100, but is a movie that I watched again last night as I prepared for today, February 26th, 2020. I forgot what year it was, Coca. I was going to say February 26, 1968. I don't know why I would say that. It's a movie called 16 Candles. I've got one word for you. 59. 59 is how old Michael Shefflin is. Michael Shefflin is that hunk of a man who was standing in front of the sports car when the school bus drove away and Molly Ringwald saw him as he was waiting for her after school. Molly Ringwald was turning 16 and her father forgot about her birthday because her father was so wrapped up in his other daughter's wedding. Then the girl who was getting married, the sister, ended up taking some drugs and it got funny. And then there was the donger and then he needed food. And then Anthony Michael Hall was there too. Let's just say that if you haven't watched a John Hughes movie, let's pretend that you are 25 years old and listening to nothing personal. Let's say you're 30, 15, let's say 18 to 30. Let's say your name is Jack. Jack, our producer Jack. Have you seen 16 Candles? He has not. So Jack is a very well-known producer here at HQ. He wears a hat backwards. He actually does a very good job. He produces the 12 o'clock hour on CBS Sports HQ and the 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. He does a bunch of other shows. He is approximately 20, how old are you, Jack? He is 26 years old. Can you explain to me how someone born in 1994 would not see a movie from the 1980s? Well, let me explain. That's the equivalent. Let's say I was born in 1968. That would be me telling you that I haven't seen a movie from the 1950s. There are a million movies from the 1950s I haven't seen. I criticize people for not watching the movies I watched, and I shouldn't, because why would I get criticized for not seeing any movies from the 50s? The bottom line is there are a bunch of great movies that I just won't see because they're old and they don't seem interesting. 16 Candles is not one of them. No one will believe me. Okay. I just turned, Coca. You okay with that? Are you still are you still producing the show? Are you are you there at all? <laughs> so here's how transitions work on this show. Because we do this live, I want to give you some insight. So we do a show live. It's 45 minutes, and we don't edit it. Like this is I've told you this. This is what happens. When I say things, there you're going to hear them. But it's also on YouTube and it's also on video, so you can see it which is why I actually wear clothes when I'm recording this. Half the podcasts you listen to, I assure you, it's like the old 976 numbers in New York. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and you would know exactly what those people look like and what they're wearing while you're making that phone call. Do you remember Jerome Jerenovich? I'm Jerome Jerenovich, 976-1313, sports. Remember? Headlines, sports. Anyway, so... 
I have to turn. I have two cameras. I have a camera six and a camera five. And Coke is supposed to tell me what to do, when to do it. But every once in a while during the show, he goes completely silent. Like out of 45 minutes, I don't know what he's doing for 38 minutes of it. Because he's claiming to me that he wants a raise because he's doing the job of five people. I'd like him to start doing the job of a producer. That's it. Just produce the show. Tell me when to turn and what you want to talk about next. But he's not. So I'm going to talk about Steven Strasberg. And I'm going to talk about Scott Boris. Did you know that Steven Strasberg's agent is Scott Boris? Did you know that Steven Strasberg signed a $245 million deal this offseason? He was a free agent because he opted out of his deal. He was a free agent because he said, hey, I am going to get paid more than the $150 million I have left on my deal or $100 million I have left. And he was right. And the Nats did it. They won the World Series with him. He was the MVP of the World Series. He had an unbelievable run in the postseason. What a great time to be a free agent. What a great time to have an opt-out. How great is that? So he goes to Washington. He says, listen, you've got Rendon as a free agent. You've got Strasburg as a free agent. You're only going to be able to sign one. You're going to make an offer to two. And so they got Strasburg. But then Strasburg has to go and ruin it. And he has to say to us why he signed with the Nationals. And instead of doing what is true, because when you hire Scott Boris, you hire him because you want the last dollar. You don't care what team, what city, you care nothing. You figure out your effective tax rate, you do a net-net calculation, and then you see what will give you your highest take-home money, period. I've seen Boris clients do it year after year after year. But Strasburg comes out and says, you know what? I wanted to be in Washington because I met with them and I got the best feeling because they made me feel comfortable because I was going to get family-related travel benefits. I'm sickened. When players ask for family-related travel benefits, I gave in one time. My first year in baseball to a first-round pick named Justin Wayne, who, who actually is now in prison, who wanted to fly his Hawaii parents, who lived in Hawaii, first class to a bunch of games. He was a Stanford pitcher. And I gave in because I was young and I was an absolute wussy. Complete. I was very scared that Justin Wayne wouldn't sign a contract with us and that we'd lose our first-round pick and get criticized. What I should have been scared of is the fact that he was going to stink and the fact that it was going to set a precedent that I would have to spend 18 years breaking, which I did. Explain to me how when you would get $245 million. Can you do the math on that, Coca? 245 divided by 7. Do you much that is per year? What you do is you do 7 times 3 is 21. You carry the 4. 45 divided by 7, right? 45 divided by 7 is about 6. Right? Okay. In any case, it's over $30 million per year. That's a net, even in a 50% tax state, of $15 million net. We talked about 12 paychecks per year. It's over a million dollars per paycheck. He just, Coca, you are the greatest. I'm, I got to so say you want to talk to Samson, and it was, uh, it's coming up. Next week, I'm going to do one. I got it yesterday. Someone actually wants me to talk about how in the world I hired Coca. Why is Coca the producer? Someone actually DM'd that at David P. Sampson. I'm going to get to you, but not today. 
So for $30 million, $1 million net a paycheck, he wants to make sure that he's got family-related travel benefits, like certain members of the family can be on the team plane, like certain number of first-class tickets to travel to the road, to here, to there. I don't want to hear it. It's a business trip. Hey, let me ask you about where you work. Um, when you're asked to go on a business trip, does your company pay for your wife or husband to go with you or your significant other or your children? Does your company pay for everyone who you bring with you on your business trip to go ahead and eat or stay in hotels? I don't think so. Why is it that automatically players think that wives or kids, but really kids are never allowed, that wives would be allowed on the team charter? I used to let wives on the team charter, we all did, and it became a distraction, especially when one player brought his wife and his girlfriend on the same charter. That was not a great moment for me. All of that said, that is how he decided to stay in Washington because of family-related travel benefits. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of it. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Al Tabelli was the baseball coach who died in the, in the, uh, in the helicopter crash. And Scott Boris stood up and said, I will create an internship for Altabelli. I think his name was Joe Altabelli. Was that his first name? For his daughter, who lost members of her family. The problem I have with Scott is that taking advantage of that amount of publicity at this time, because it was recorded, by the way. You can say I'm wrong, Coca. This was absolutely marketed as Kobe's last wish. I'm almost positive that that's what came out. Ruben, was it not Kobe's last wish that John Altabelli's daughter get this internship? Are you denying that is true? Okay. 
We've got Ruben Talks Kicks confirming that it was Kobe's last wish. That's his Twitter account. My point is very simple, folks. When Scott Boris can get publicity for doing something, he does it. You think that he's creating this internship and that he is this holier-than-thou man because he's getting Alexis this internship and fulfilling Kobe's last wish. Just this morning, I had a chance to speak to uh, Jose Fernandez's fiance and their daughter, who's now three. And you're right. Do I spend too much time talking about Penelope? Did I wish her a happy birthday? On February 24th, I did. I, got, I spoke to Penelope this morning. She doesn't. She's three. Speaks Spanish, speaks some English. I mostly spoke to the mother. And I was reminded again what Scott Boris has done for his old client, Jose Fernandez. Nothing. Zero. Nada. What have you done, Scott? Am I bitter about this? Yes. Do I take it personally? Yes. This show is called Nothing Personal. I'm in violation of it. Was this good for your business that you got the press for fulfilling Kobe's last wish to get Altabelli's, John Altabelli's daughter internship? What about people who you promised when they were your client? What about people when you stood up and cried at the funeral that you would take care of them and then disappeared? How come that doesn't count, Scott? Answer me. Why don't you stand up one time and answer? Why don't you, instead of getting press for creating an internship, which is very nice, I'm thrilled that you're doing it. Why did that have to be public? Why, why? I'm angry. I am, I admit it. I'm emotional about it. Because when I speak to people who are struggling because they don't have any money, because there was no insurance, there was nothing, zero, a three-year-old daughter without a father is one thing. A three-year-old daughter who could have been rich, we offered you. You could have taken over $30 million guaranteed, the most ever for a player on Tommy John. But you said no. And then your client died and you didn't care one iota after you cried at the funeral. Those fake goddamn tears. But you got good press for the internship. So, do you want to talk to Samson? <laughs> I don't know how you even segue into that. This was a cool one. There are Facebook groups. I learned what a Facebook group was yesterday. I'm moving on to Facebook groups. So, a Facebook group is apparently a bunch of people. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what they sound like. But they get together. They call themselves a group. This one is called Angels Baseball Addicts. So, I don't... It's a weird, right? Right? It's, it's ABA. It ends with addicts. It sort of reminds me of Friends of Bill W. Anyone know what Friends of Bill W is? Friends of Bill W is a, uh, the first cruise I ever went on. This is a true story. First cruise I ever went on, they give you a schedule of events. And every day at 4 o'clock on the schedule of events, it said friend party like Friends of Bill W. And I said one time, I said... I, I can't believe it. I've been on four cruises, and the same Bill W. is on every single one of the cruises I've been on. It makes no sense to me. And every day he throws a party? It turns out that is actually an AA meeting that is on cruise ships, and it's called Friends of Bill W. So Angels Baseball Addicts, I'm giving you a shout-out because they asked a great question. They tweeted at me at David P. Sampson. 
they DM'd me. And they said, hey, we know that our team, they're obviously addicts of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And they said, Artie Moreno has acquired all of the stadium land, which we talked about on HQ. We may have talked about it on Nothing Personal. And they said, is this the deal that will finally allow the Angels to make the playoffs? The money that he's going to make from owning the land and refurbishing the triple, the, where the Angels play, Angels Stadium, or building a new stadium. Will that lead to an increase of payroll, and therefore, will that increase in payroll allow the Angels, and therefore, Mike Trout, to play in October? Angels, baseball, addicts, I'm calling you out insane. No. Here's why Artie Moreno did that deal. He did that deal because he's losing money. You may not want to hear it, but the Angels as an entity, as a standalone baseball entity, do not make money. People don't believe me when I say it. I've seen the numbers. Baseball teams by themselves do not make money. The Mets, as an example, they lose tens of millions of dollars as an operation every year. Now, the TV network makes money, and the owners of the Mets also own the TV network, so the owners of the Mets together are doing just fine. Mickey Arison of the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat lose money every year. Tremendous amounts of money. The owner owns Carnival Cruise Lines. Carnival Cruise Lines pays him. He makes money. He moves that money from one place to the other in order to make everything work out, and he's okay with it. The reason why owners do ancillary business is that they want to cover the operating losses from the team that they own and that they operate. In order for any of that extra money to be put into payroll that you are claiming that he is making, That has to be current day, current year cash. And by buying the rights and the land around Angel Stadium, by developing it, all the things that you think he's doing, all of that requires current day outlay, not intake. He is actually going to be investing more money to develop those parcels, more money to build a ballpark or renovate a ballpark. That ends up being an expense item on Artie Moreno's personal budget. Not on the team budget, because that's not a team expense, but on his personal budget. And at the end of the year, Artie Moreno, like every other owner, is not in the business of losing money. It doesn't matter that his team is worth a couple billion dollars. What matters is on a year-over-year basis, at the end of the year, does Artie Moreno have to write a check or does he get to deposit a check? It really is that simple. It really is. They look at a piece of paper and they say, hey, I used to have $5 million in my checking account and now I've got zero. That's not acceptable. So therefore, they say, I'm not going to write another $5 million check the following season. You may think that these rich and famous people don't operate that way, but I'm here to give you some insight. I'm going to decode it for you. You want to talk to Samson. Mike Trout has zero extra chance of playing in October because Artie Moreno did a business deal outside of the Angels. Rendon helps him, but the lack of pitching will crush them. Mike Trout will not play in October. Steph Curry's coming back, and I want to know why. Why is Steph Curry coming back to play 22 games? What is the reason? Steph Curry came out and said, Steph Curry plays for the Golden State Warriors. He broke his hand, his wrist, some part of his body, rehabbed it, said there may be some nerve damage, said he's not 100%, but he wants to come back, wants to get a rhythm for the last 22 games as he prepares for next season. 
As a president of that team, I would ask him to get his rhythm elsewhere. I know I'm paying him a lot of money and I want him to come back, but in basketball, there's too big a risk. The juice is not worth the squeeze. The Warriors have no chance. They're a lottery team. They're the worst team in the NBA. My guess is they will have the most balls come lottery time. I don't think that any team can possibly catch him, but I could defer to my friend Coca or my friend Ruben, who probably know in advance who's got the worst record. I think it is the Warriors. I don't think they've clinched it, but I do know that Steph Curry coming back will not make an appreciable difference. What we would do is when we had a player coming back from injury, we would coordinate and calculate the exact game that that player would come back, and it would be a purposeful thing. If we wanted to trade that player or decide whether we were going to tender that player a contract, we wanted him to come back as quickly as possible so he could both establish health and prove to us that he was game ready. In Steph Curry's case, he's already signed long term. It doesn't matter. When we had Stanton signed long-term and he had injuries, we would not rush him back because A, it wasn't gonna make a difference to our season, we weren't gonna play in October, and B, we wanted him to be full strength come next season, have a totally ordinary off-season. What if the player comes to us and says, but I wanna come back right now? Let's say for purposes of this conversation that Steph Curry said, I want to come back, I wanna play, I wanna show these teammates that I'm here for them. I wanna show that what we can be get back to championship level without KD, that I can do it. I would sit him down, I would sit him down with his agent and I would say, listen, I appreciate what you're saying, but explain to me again, from a rhythm and performance standpoint, what is it that you need to prove to yourself and how many games, how many minutes do you need to prove it? We'd say that to pitchers, how many innings do you think you need? To hitters, we'd say how many at-bats do you think you need? We want to give him the minimum required to get any sort of mental peace of mind. I'd like to tell Steph Curry, you need zero games and zero minutes to get that peace of mind, but he may have a number. I doubt it was 22 games. To me, it's too much. And then for him to go public and say, I'm still not 100%, he's not exactly Superman, a hero coming in to save the Warriors season. It makes no sense to me. We've got to watch this story because as Curry comes back, it matters for Golden State and what they do that 2021, he is absolutely perfect. Pick of the day, I won the Raptors last night when they beat the Bucks by 11. I can't believe that no one's yelling at me. I love not having a studio audience. I know very well the Raptors lost by 11. I watched the game. I know very well I'm 15, 19, and 1. I'm never betting against the Bucs again. The Bucs, I'm sorry to say, are the best team in basketball. I'm not sorry. I'm, I was born there. I love it. They're going to get their first title since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There is very little likelihood that the Clippers, Lakers, Rockets, Nuggets, Mavericks, any of them, can beat the Bucks four out of seven times. Certainly the Celtics cannot. I lost it. All right, big game tonight for the Heat. I'm going to watch this game, actually. The Heat have been actually struggling, and I'm watching this because of my bet with Marone, my dear friend who I'm thinking about every day. Marone, the Heat are about to lose home court advantage in the first round. They have not been playing well. They're under 500 in their past 23 games. I think, 23-24 games. They're playing at home against the T-Wolves, and this is a game they're going to get. Uh, the Heat have to give 10 points to the Timberwolves. I think you're going to see this more like a 15-18 to 18 point game. This will be a blowout. We need the win. We're four games under. Baseball season's coming. I've been so hot and cold with the NBA. 
I'm very upset about last night. That's my fault. Apologize, Dice. Come back. Heat, 10 over the Timberwolves. Okay, last segment is about uh, the New York Yankees. I want to give you some insight into what they're doing right now. We talked about it on HQ. We talked about it on the show yesterday. Um, we did not talk about it on the show because after the show taped is when Severino came out and it was said that he has to get Tommy John. As a matter of fact, the news yesterday was very interesting. It was Tommy John expected for Severino. Tommy John suggested for Severino. Well, it turns out the real way it works in baseball, when you hear that Tommy John is suggested, what it means is the player's going to have it. When you hear that they're waiting to schedule it, it means it's going to happen the next day. It turns out that Severino's actually going to have Tommy John tomorrow. He's doing it in New York with a great doctor. His name is Dr. David Safecheck. Safecheck. We've used him. We've sent players there. Here's the problem with Severino and what made me angry, and I did a video about it yesterday on HQ. I put it on Twitter as well. I feel like we wasted five months of Severino's life. He was hurt claiming he had forearm soreness in October against the Astros in the postseason. Then he did rehab, which never works with forearm soreness, never meaning maybe once in a blue moon, once in a blue moon. But he lost five months of rehab if he had just gotten it done. Now 2020 is gone, which it would have, but the beginning of 2021 as well. And his effectiveness for 21 is now in doubt much more than if he had had surgery at least five months ago. You're talking about a pitcher who got a four-year extension by the Yankees. He pitched 12 innings in year one, zero innings in year two. Next year will be year three. How did the Yankees feel about that extension? I would lose my job if I did contracts like that. <laughs> and I did. And I did. So the way to see is the following. The Yankees will not. We've tried it. We've tried to take advantage of the Yankees when they have injuries. What you do is, as an opposing team, team president, when there's an injury, I would call the team president of the Yankees, in this case, Randy Levine. Hey, Randy, um, we've got Sandy Alcantara. we got Caleb Smith, current-day Marlins. Good pitchers. Hey, they're ready. We'll move them right now. We would try to take advantage of a team who just lost a player. A smart GM hangs up the phone and tells his team owner and team president, do not take calls from poachers. Poachers are teams who take advantage of other teams' injuries. Brian Cashman is too experienced. There's a lot of new GMs out there, a lot of new owners out there. Brian Cashman is not one of them. What Brian Cashman will do is wait for the trade deadline and then get a starter because he knows he needs one. Brian Cashman will look straight into the phone when the poachers from other teams call. And he will, because I know it. He knows this line. He'll look at him and say, are you crazy? This to me, Severino's hurt. I know it's business. It's nothing personal, Mikey. 